You are listening to the Physio Accelerator Podcast with Trish Wisby-Roth. Hello and welcome to another Q&A. Uh, I'm so pleased that you guys are joining us again. Unfortunately, we didn't manage to go live last month due to an unfortunate power outage um, down in Kaima where I'm living. Uh, but we're, we're back again this week and hopefully uh, that didn't cause too much inconvenience for you guys. So um, hello and welcome and hello to Trish. How are you doing today? Good, thanks, Phil. And um, yeah, apologies also to those who turned up last week, but hopefully you're back this week. And uh, fingers crossed that all the um, internet gods are on our side this week. Yeah, that's right. It has been a bit sketchy with the internet on my end, so apologies if it does jump around a little bit, but... Uh, it should be okay, but do let us know in the comments if there are any issues. Uh, while I'm speaking of comments, we'd love for you to um, ask any questions live. So I've got a few uh, lined up from people who've uh, got in before the episode started, but certainly jump into the comments, um, ask a question, and we'll, we'll definitely make sure to get to them before we finish up. Um, and before we do get started, uh, we've got some exciting announcements in terms of upcoming courses. So, Trish, would you like to give a bit of an outline of the um, the mastery course and the uh, special that's available sure. to the sure. uh, listeners of the Q&A? Mm. Um, we've been working on a beta program of a mastery course where we dive deep into getting really skilled into the different areas of lumbo, pelvic, thoracic, cervical, hip. And um, we've been really working hard on the content of that over the last 18 months. We were going to launch it early next year but because a lot of the face-to-face courses have been cancelled uh, I've put all that extra time and Phil's put time and energy into creating a blended online series so we've decided to launch the Lumbar Spine Mastery Series and so what that will be is there's a whole series of recorded uh, content and handouts and PDFs and things that go with it. And then in mid-October, we'll have an intensive interactive online for the people who are doing the Lumbar Spine Mastery Program so that they can ask questions. We can maybe go through case studies, fill in those bits of of things that didn't quite gel. And and I found in teaching that's really important. If you get those 2 or 3% that you didn't quite get, then it creates that scaffolding and that whole picture for you. So, um, yeah, I'm excited that we're going, we're going to start that off. And for anybody who's been listening to the Q&A, you know, we really, really appreciate and value you. you. So we've, we've taken 30% off the cost of that. So... Um, Phil, you can probably tell them how what that link is. Yeah, so basically we've set up just a link on our website, um, which you can head to now, which is the um, physioaccelerator.com Q&A spelled out, so Q-A-N-D-A uh, and then special. But I'll, I'll put a link in the comments, and it's also in the description of this um, of this episode. So you can find it there. Um, and from there, uh, you just have to put your email into the subscribe form there. Um, and probably, f- and we'll sort out basically if you've done the onboarding mastery beforehand, uh, there's also extra special discounts as well and, and bundling it together. Uh, we've, we'll get the details uh, all ironed out, but certainly um, jump onto the email list and we'll um, be sending out more information about that. And I'm someone who did um, Trisha's mastery program last year. That's how 
um, got to know Trish well because it was a it's a pretty intensive um, course over the uh, over the twelve months where you really do a very thorough um, coverage of all the different um, yeah el like aspects of the body sort of one by one. So it's a um, fantastic program and uh, yeah, I definitely highly recommend it. So um, yeah, and the online format is great because it, it does make it a bit easier to be able to do it in your own time um, and for people around the the country and around the world, uh, you can get access to these where. Um, instead of being in just if you can make it to Mottdale RSL, which is where we did it last year. <laughs> it's weird to think about going somewhere to do a thing in, in lockdown. What a crazy concept. <laughs> Quite bizarre, really, isn't it? And any any mm. who have done that accelerator onboarding, either through the APA or through our website, um, when you put your details in, will just let us know that and, um, you know, we'll it, it fits so well with, with that, this mastery program. So yeah, I'm excited, and I I look forward to uh, connecting with people through that you know new platform. Definitely, um, and it does tie quite well into um, one of the first questions that we have um, from someone who got a question in before we went live, which um, is about sort of non-specific lower back pain because this is we are starting with the lumbar um, module, and then it's going to go on to um, the SIJ, and then throughout the rest of the body um, as the year goes on. So uh, definitely this will, will tie in uh, nicely with that. But yeah, if you are watching live, um, even if you don't have a question that immediately springs to mind, do say hi, uh, let us know who you are and where you're watching from. And um, bonus, if you click the link, uh, which is um, streamyard.com slash Facebook, which is above the chat here, and we'll be able to see your profile picture as well, just like Ruth Schultz has done uh, tagging in Jillian Schultz. So good on you, Ruth. Jillian, hello. Um, and be like Ruth. <laughs> Hi, Jillian. Lovely yeah. to see so you. Ruth is currently watching. Hopefully, Jillian will help Hey, Ruth. Um, yeah, do say hi. And a great opportunity to get a question in. So do it early and we'll, we'll make sure we have time for you. Uh, so yeah. our first question um, we're getting to comes from, um, uh, let me just load it up. Sorry, my computer is just struggling a little bit today. Um, so it's from Owen saying, hi, I was wondering if you have any thoughts or advice about selling non-specific injury to a client, especially a client that expects a specific diagnosis. Do you have any suggestions on how to sell the diagnosis without losing the client? For example, non-specific back pain or even shoulder pain. Mm. Owen, it's such a great question. And do you know, when Phil said this question to me, I thought, you know, that's why I really love speaking to new grads or people who've been to uni and then come out into the private practice setting because I do think there's a real division about how in undergraduate or even in a master's program um, information is taught because we t talk in very medical and research terms. Non-specific low back pain is a research term. It, it didn't exist 15 years ago. It's just been created as, as a research term to be able to be researched because they couldn't call it an L45 nerve root or a, a inhibited multifidus because it's a multi-structural issue. So I think one of the really important things when you go into private practice is finding the language that bridges the gap between your knowledge and what the patient can comprehend and, and latch onto as 
a positive path for them. And I think the basic is that someone comes to you because they've got back pain and they want to find a path out of pain and back to function. So what I would do instead of trying to sell the idea of non-specific low back pain, I would turn it around, Owen, and say, okay, so what are the things that you want to get back to that you're not able to do at the moment? And when he when they answer that, they're not going to say, well, I want more mobility in my sciatic nerve. Or they're not going to say, um, I've got stiff lumbar facets and I'd like you to mobilise them. If people come in and say that, well, you know you've, you've got some psychosocial issues you've got to deal with from the beginning. What they will say is, I want to be able to garden. I want to be able to walk the dog. I want to be able to sleep through the night without pain. And so what you automatically then do, instead of having to sell the idea of non-specific low back pain, you can sell the concept of multifaceted functional treatment. And so what I'd say is, let's call him John. John, you know, you've had this back pain for a while and it comes and goes um, and it seems like, those three things, sleeping through the night, gardening and being able to walk the dog are really important and they're great goals to have. So let's look at your whole body as a machine and let's get everything that needs to be working for you to aim at achieving those goals. And so over the first month, these are the things that I think are going to be really important. And then the midterm, you know, we need to build up your cardiovascular endurance. And then long-term, it's really important that you have a maintenance program. So how, how does that fit with your, your thinking about your problem? And then hear what they have to come back and say. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. Um, and I think it ties really well if you've, if people have listened to the podcast, we've got um, one of your podcasts on lumbar spine differential diagnosis, which can help um, give you a bit of a, a taste into uh, Trisha's approach to the lumbar spine and how to unpack that and, and try and get some, um, like, and how to simplify it as well. Um, and also in your, the episode you did about, um, uh where is it i just had it here um no there's so you've done so many podcasts now there's just a i know <laughs> don't ask me i remember someone interviewing an author and said they said oh, i really love that quote this quote where was that in your books yeah. and you said i have do not have a clue so yeah, but, but i yeah, go through it a lot ensuring yeah, uh patient buy-in where it is around this communication yeah. piece where um being able to kind of steer people away from that like I don't know natural inclination to be what to want to be so like uh, I guess pathoanatomical about how they understand their injury and really just steering mm. them to to really buy in by keeping it sort of functional based mm. and can I say one thing Phil when we talk about, about that pathoanatomical when someone gets back pain they don't naturally instantly think 
oh, it must be an L4 disc degeneration or it must be an L4-5. That comes from them going to doctors and saying, I have back pain that is affecting my life and they have scans and then they say, oh, that L4-5 looks terrible. You know, you're 55, you've got very degenerative changes and then they get sent to a specialist and specialist says, oh, yeah, no, that looks really bad. That L4-5 disc degeneration is bad but, you know, we can't operate on it, you're too old. So by the time they come to you, they've listened to everybody tell them this is what their problem is. And for you to say just left left field, oh, no, it's non-specific low back pain. We can't put it down to that. It's like, well, I could have had a beer with Fred down the pub and he could have told me it's back pain. I, I need solutions. Do you know? So I think I think you have to meet them on the path and and take them down a functional road because if, if you don't do that, they're on a totally different road to you and if you're heading in different directions, you're not going to have a positive outcome for either of you. You can't drag one with you. They've got to come willingly. Definitely. Um, mm. I just realised that I didn't say hello to LinkedIn. This is the first time we're also streaming oh, live. To LinkedIn. So if you're watching live from LinkedIn, uh, as well as we're doing the Facebook page, we can multi-stream now. The future is the future is now. Um, but if you are watching from LinkedIn, we'd really love it if you um, say hi just to make sure that it is actually working mm. because it has a green tick. But Hard to know sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, if you're yeah. watching live, say hi. Um, definitely get a question in. Ruth, I'm looking at you. Um, and, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll make sure we get through them. Is there anything else you'd like to say on uh, Owen's question um, before we move on to um, Hannah's question? Um, I just think, Owen, it's a great question, and I love hearing things like that because, you know, it just shows how much you think think about your job and you're really trying to take what you've learned and mould it and that's what these Q&As I think are really valuable in the podcast because I've spent over 30 years continuing to read and then mould it into a way that I can get the best outcome for the patient and, um, you know, it just I'm always impressed on how hard physios try and how much they want to help people. Uh, so a great question, Owen, and any others, please keep them coming. Hopefully that helped you a little bit. But if you find that yeah, worthwhile... Well, just, on that, on that just on that topic of buy-in, do you have, and this is a question without notice, but you have done a podcast on it somewhat recently. So do you have yeah. any, like maybe three big tips for ensuring patient buy-in that you could... Um, you know, even if it doesn't have to yep. do necessarily with that particular language around um, yep. non-specific pain. The first, the first thing I do is I walk out in COVID times. I would non-COVID times. I shake their hand and say, "So lovely to meet you." Um, and when they come in, I'd say, "Who's referred you?" And I'd always say something positive about the person that's referred them. And then I'd say my first thing is I sit down, I look them straight in the eye before I've written anything down and say, what can I help you with today? And that word that comes out of their, that first thing that comes out of their mouth is their number one priority. It, they may say, I'm scared I'm never going to get over this back pain. I can't sleep at night. It's driving me crazy or 
I've been putting up with this for 15 years, but now I can't garden anymore. It's got worse. What, whatever is the first word, sentence that comes out of their mouth, that is your absolute number one psychosocial, biopsychosocial asterisk goal. And so if you know what that is, then when you're talking to them, you can weave that back in. You know, so if we're going to get on top of your night pain, we need to look at at the several things that may be contributing to it. You know, and I think if with that first sentence they think you're here to help them with their problems, not what you think is the issue, but what they feel is the issue, I, you often see them go, "I'm in the right place." You know, I'll often have people who, after five minutes, say, no one's ever asked me what I thought was going on. And the third one is I'd say, what do you think is going on? And they'll often then say, well, the doctor's told me I've got a degenerative disc and, and L45 is bad and they can't operate on it. And I'd say, well, I've got a bad L45 disc. It's really degenerated. And I did have pain, but I don't have pain now, but I've still got that disc. So let's look at what are the other things we can do to work to support your body so that you can get out of this current state. You know, so I think those two things, really a warm welcome, asking what they want from it, and and then what are their thoughts on what's going on? Because everyone has a thought about what's going on. One of the most amazing ones to me is they came in with low back pain. They had bad scans, that a bone scan that showed hot spots. And I said to her, what do you think is going on? She said, I think I'm dying of metastases and nobody's told me because she'd had breast cancer and she had black spots on a bone scan. And I said, have you mentioned that to anybody? She said, no, because not, everyone's just talking about them being hot but I know what black spots mean. They mean cancer. And, and so clearing that, that conception that they were metastases because her bloods were clear, there was no signs of it being cancer, for her changed her whole focus on what the problem was. So it's sometimes quite revolutionary to ask people what, what they think is going on. Yeah, absolutely love it. Um, yeah, one thing I found quite useful is just like me trying to draw out like of the things I've heard, what goals um, they have and then yeah. getting them to actually rank them and be like, okay, I know mm -hmm. you clearly want this, this and this, like, but if you could only have one of those, where would it be? And then get them to rank it. And that's been, I think, quite helpful in that. But I really loved, I hadn't thought about that idea of just their initial first um, thing they say when you, when you ask if they want help or what, how you can help um, is probably a great way of drawing out that number one. Uh, quickly so definitely gonna add that one yeah in. but i do like i do like the, the the priority of the goals because that can then allow you to say okay the first stage is that first goal but you know running a marathon may that may be six or 12 months or we you may have to draw that back and say look let's let's not focus on a marathon let's look at a five or a 10k to start with you know depending on where they come from you know if they're a marathon runner fine but if they haven't done any running and then they want to be a marathon runner in three months you've probably got to temper those goals a bit 
Yeah. I'm, I'm currently training for a half Ironman and um, I've been listening to lots and lots of podcasts and listened to an interview with Paula Radcliffe the other day. And I was like, oh, I've got to get out there and run a marathon as soon as possible. But then like, it, you know, it's, <laughs> you can definitely feel where these, like where patients come from, where you, you just get, um, you know, you maybe want to push past where your, your body is ready for. Because I've mm. given myself a nice little running injury. Anyway, uh, not about me though. We'll move on to um, the next question. But if you are watching live, I can see there's a bunch of people watching live. So we'd love it if you did say hi at least, but ideally. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know about you guys, but I've been inside by myself for a long time. So being able to actually interact with people is a real, uh, just feels great at the moment. So being able to talk to Trish is really nice, but it'd be great to almost feel like I was in a staff room with a bunch of other people as well. Like that would, yeah. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, and I've been okay. isolated we'll... too, Phil, so. Yeah. So mm-hmm. saying hi is, you know, it, we'd, we'd definitely love to, to hear from you. Um, okay. So the next one's coming from uh, Hannah, who's saying, we were told at uni to ask the patient what they're expecting um, out of a session. In this, um, Is this something you use in uh, practice? And if so, do you think it's risky for young physios to ask and maybe swayed to give in to what the patient wants instead of providing the best evidence-based care? Speaking mm. of Hannah, she's just pointed uh, on the... Hello, uh, Hannah. From Crow's Nest in Sydney. Lovely. Thank you so much, Henna. And, yeah, so um, I guess that finding that balance of, um, again, yeah, what the Again, that word, yeah, again, that word of um, what are you expecting from the session, it's a bit like if if I went to the hairdresser and I sat down and the hairdresser said, Mrs. Roth, what are you expecting from our session today? I would think, you're a hairdresser. Like, I'm here for you to fix this or help me with this. And I think that phrase is, again, a, a very medical term and it comes from really valid. It comes from this biopsychosocial model that, um you know, moderating their expectations. So if they've had chronic pain or they've had a problem for a long time or, you know, you may not be able to get them, they may not realistically get back to running an ultramarathon. But you can say the same words in um, things like, if I take analogy of a hairdresser, um, if they say, what can I help you with today or or what what are the things that are are worrying you what, you know what do you want me to work with you to 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 work on from these sessions something like that that what are your expectations I don't think a lot of physi a lot of patients know what their expectations are when they come do you know because a lot of people don't know what physio is I think expectations is um is such a broad word where if, if you bring it down to, um, you know, what their goals are, what do you, what do they want to get from it? What do they expect to get from it? And I think, Henna, that also comes down to their expectation of what treatment is going to entail. For example, if I said to you, what 
what can I help you with today? And they said to me, I get, I've got a really stiff hip and, and all my muscles get really tight. Um, and I've been to a physio before and releasing the muscles helps. And I say, okay, well, that, that gives us a really good clue about where we can start. As well as that, were you given any, any exercises to do at home? You know, do you do much walking or bike riding or any other activities? And, you know, if they say, no, I've just been having the massage, but um, I've moved and I thought I'd come here for the massage, you can say, well, look, we can do some releases on those massage, on those muscles and some dry needling. But if we can get some of the other muscles working for you and get, get you on a, a pacing program to really build up the, core, the strength around that joint, you may find that that muscle doesn't get as tight. So how do you feel about that? But know that we probably have to get a little bit of a maintenance program happening because, you know, all of us, as we get older, get a little bit of wear and tear, like wrinkles on our face. So you pro we probably need to work on a little bit of, a program specifically for you. So I think you have to first start off where their expectations are, but broaden that expectation to the very wide, wide tools that as physiotherapists we have from, you know, massage, mobilisation, dry needling to very specific exercises, pacing program, flare-up strategies, psychosocial, dealing with all of their sleep, you know, their anxiety. You know, we've got so many tools in the toolbox. Sometimes it can be quite hard to know where to start. Definitely. Love it. Mm -hmm. um, just on that, actually, before I do say this, uh, for if you are watching, I um, just had someone in chat saying that um, really enjoying it but not sure where to send the questions, you can just post them in the comments just as you would uh, any other comments. So post your comment on here and we'll um, yeah read it out and get the... Uh, get Trish to it um, yeah, during the live show. So please just um, post comment, ask question, and we'll get to it. Um, just to follow up on that, with evidence-based care, like how much time do you spend kind of like with patients? Just do you dive into evidence at all or do you kind of just trust that they trust you that you're doing what's evidence-based or do you have any sort of guidelines around like how much to cite evidence, for example, versus just saying, this is right, do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, find I that think when I'm looking at evidence stuff, like often I end up saying, well, it depends because, you know, there's not overwhelming evidence for this or that or whatever. So I think kind of yes. a bit of an, yeah. The, the only people that I use, I used a lot of, well, the evidence tells me, are people who come in and have, they're often, um, doctors, nurses, physio or science researchers or engineers. Those groups who are very evidence-based want an evidence, you talking a lot about evidence-based. I remember treating an anatomist from, um, from a university and she taught a lot of physios and she came in and she said, I've got low back pain, but I'll tell you, if you say anything about transverse abdominis, I'm walking out the door because I don't believe transverse abdominis has anything to do with low back pain. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about transverse abdominis, you know. But and, and so I think I think very analytical people. The other people who like evidence, I found, are cyclists. 
They really love figures and numbers and they're very analytical. So I think CEOs and companies like the evidence and those kind of people always say, you know what, you know, the major evidence points in this current situation to this. But with your average run-of-the-mill patient, what I'll say to them is they'll, they'll, they'll usually most times with me they come in with not just one scan but sometimes a shopping trolley of scans. Um, I'll usually say to them, look, I see you've got lots of scans there. What I'd really like to do is concentrate on you and how your body works and how everything's fitting together at the moment and look at your muscles, your nerves, how we, how you functionally move. And then at the end, we'll, I'll tell you what I think is our plan moving forward and then we can look at the scans. And they actually really like that. People will say, can you assess things without looking at the scans? And I'll say, absolutely, because the scans are just a small, it's like a black and white picture of a, of a, of a forest. And so when I'm doing that assessment, then I'll say in simple terms, then they'll sit down and I will actually um, often show on my body, I'll say, in summary, you're getting lateral hip pain um, and the tests that we've done indicate you've. it's likely you've got some tendon that that isn't coping with the load you've put in it, onto it, and an exercise program can help build that up. And that can happen. You can do change that when you're 90. As long as you're alive, you can change that. And compensating for some of those issues, it seems that you're very restricted in range in your lower back, and that's the combination of muscles, joint, maybe since the nerves being a bit sensitised has created that combination of getting stiff and tight in your lower back and some lateral hip pain. So, you know, the body of evidence would say, and I don't use body of evidence, but I'd say, I say the research generally would say if we can get you to load the tendon, get stronger, get some mobility and then build your cardiovascular endurance and build the strength and functional movements then then that will all act as a dynamic scaffold and the what's happening in the scans we've all got a little bit of wear and tear but if if you're functioning without without loading it you can still have that wear and tear and have no symptoms so i think um a lot of people don't actually need you to say the body of evidence because you've got a title of a physio and they come to you because they think that you know the evidence and what you're going to tell them love it when what you said about cyclists i'm not at all surprised because as i've been getting more into this half ironman training i've gone down the rabbit hole of cycling wow. podcasts and i've just never seen such intense like nerdery uh, they're so intense this yeah. i love it and i'm getting sucked in there and i'm trying to not go too far but it's great <laughs> so i'm not surprised yeah. at the people who really love them yeah um, and they bef you know, before they we can... do um yeah yeah um, before we get to the next uh little section just to remind you that mm -hmm. if you are watching live we do really appreciate it and so we've put together the um 
special for you guys for the upcoming mastery course. So jump onto this website that I've got shown here. Should be in the um, it's in the comments as well, and put your email in, and you'll get a, a coupon code that you can um, if you do decide to um, get. get get involved in the mastery courses that will apply. So worthwhile just jump, jumping in there, getting the coupon code, and then um, in the emails, you'll get a bit more detail about um, exactly how the deal works. Um, if you are watching live, you can see there's still quite a few people there um, who haven't asked a question or said hi, so would love it if you do. Um, just as you're talking there and you mentioned pacing strategies, you made me think of the most recent podcast that has gone live, which was a, a um, around um, like kind of a practical approach to pain science. Um, which I know you did quite a few weeks ago, but that one's the one that's just gone live on Monday. So um, if you haven't checked out the podcast, definitely head across to um, either in Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find the link um, on our website and check it out. And if you do like it, uh, uh, it really makes a big difference to um, us if you share it with other people, um, if you... If you're on Apple Podcasts, then leaving a review. If you don't use Apple Podcasts, then maybe if you have an iTunes account, jumping on and leaving a nice review because that's really how um, the algorithms work and uh, it helps other people find it. So, yeah, we do hope that you do that. Um, just for the next uh, question, just if you are, yeah, if you haven't asked a question yet, just want to remind you that, like, with the questions, they can be really granular stuff about specific, um, you know, pathoanatomical um like injuries or it could be like big career bigger picture stuff like yeah don't feel limited by what questions have already come up in the podcast like if you have any just um little questions that you're finding in the clinic that you're um, trying to work through yeah any question is good so uh just keep that in mind um so my the next question is actually from me um which is i've given a bit of a hint with this um going down the rabbit hole of of cycling um but yeah, it's around niching with um, within physio itself. So I guess as a um, like coming out as a private practice physio, you sort of start by seeing lots of like basically anything. But I know that um, through where I happen to work, I work with mostly people who are really into their um, gym training, um, and I've kind of niched pretty hard into that. And that seems to be all the only people I see now. But now I'm uh, about to start at a new clinic where I'm about to see kind of a broader range of um, people just one day a week down here um, down south and so but now I've kind of got into this triathlon stuff I'm like oh maybe I should get into like learning bike fitting and uh, trying to do like just that specific side of like um, of, of physio because I've been yeah really enjoying watching some people who are very good at that online um, teaching it it's been really interesting so I guess that idea about like do you think it's um, uh, a good idea to niche and is it bad to niche too early um, Mm. And has your like work with I don't know being in cycling Olympics for so long, um, and Commonwealth Games has that like put you in a bit of a niche with patients that see you, or have you kept it broad? Lots of questions. Mm. On. Re yeah, <laughs> really, really good question again, Phil. You know, really good question, and and I can see it from both sides. I I generally do things um, in my life. Not with not with a great deal of pre-planning. Like I have a vision, I have a long-term vision, but how I get there, um, often in re in retrospect, has been a little bit random. But when I opened up my practice, I sat back and I thought, I was young, you know, I was twenty-four, and I thought, how am I going to stick out from the crowd? Because if I was just going to be 
the new physio opening up, I looked pretty young. I couldn't say I've got a lot of experience because I think you're 24. Do you know? You know, I had had. I'd been to the Commonwealth Games in in, in Edinburgh. I'd, I'd worked at Crystal Palace. I'd done a lot over in England, but I still looked very young. So when I went out to see the doctors, I decided I had to be, I had to be something different. And so I just said to them, I I know I'm new, but I'm happy for you to send me the patients who haven't done well with other physiotherapists or you're not sure what to do with them and I'll promise you we'll try everything, a whole multifaceted type of rehab program, which sounds bizarre, but that wasn't happening in physio. You know, I when I opened my gym, we had some gym equipment and it was like, why does a physio have gym equipment? Do you know? So... So that was when I got my first trickling of patients were, were patients with, you know, knee replacements that hadn't got better with physio, back pain after surgery that hadn't got better, stroke patients who had back pain and it hadn't worked with stroke rehab. And so I just gave 110% effort on building up their confidence and hands-on treatment and exercise programs. And when and when you started talking to them and they believed they could do it and you could work on their goals, you know, nearly all of them improved in function and built in confidence, even if sometimes not all of their pain went, they got back to a lot of things. And so looking back, I niched very, very early. Um in retrospect, would I have picked an easier niche? I reckon pre and post knee rehab with a good orthopedic surgeon may have been an easier, an easier niche to have. And I apologise, you know, it's a bit, you know, I don't know how complex that is because I've never, I've done some pre and post rehab, but not not that much orthopedic. I think you could pick a different one, but I'd have to say. I, I found it really interesting because it never gets boring if you look at all the pieces of the puzzle, everyone's an individual. So that niching worked well for me and it's really interesting that the majority of people who came in was for lumbo-pelvic hip issues that hadn't responded well. So that's kind of where I started. And um, then I had a really severe car accident when I was 25 and I had chronic low back pain for seven years. And, you know, I never went to a physio that it really changed it. So I decided to to look at all the evidence and create, try to create a pro program that would work on myself. And so working on the whole biopsychosocial from the inside out gives you gives you insight into it as well. So I would say niching early, if you're going to do it like you feel, do something that you think you're going to be passionate about for the long term. You know, and for someone like you who loves triathlons, who loves running, who loves sport, who from an early stage was drawn to the gym environment, I think I think that's a good niche for you because you know, probably doing rehab for knee replacements may not 
keep you inspired. Other people it may. So I think for you to stay passionate about what you do, you have to find it interesting. So a short answer to a very long answer would be try early on to find something you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be everything you see, but if there's something you enjoy reading about, like cycling um, assessments, like read about it, try it on your friends, but then word will get out. You know, oh, Phil's a triathlete and he set up his own bike. He's been doing a bit. You should go see him here and talk to him. You know, so it doesn't have to be all of it, but but it cre creates a passion. And I think I think as a physio, you've got to have a passion and an interest to to keep going, really. So I hope that I didn't waffle on, did I? No, no, fantastic. I think, yeah, that definitely makes a whole lot of sense to me. And um, and yeah, I think looking at a lot of what we talked about when we started. Um, I guess building this idea of the, the physio accelerator was around how to keep that passion for the job because having seen a bunch mm. of my mates who I studied with or I knew in physio who've already um, decided to look into other careers and try other things because they just haven't found that passion, I think, um, yeah, that's amazing advice to, um, yeah, that will hopefully keep me <laughs> keep me going, keep me excited and, um, and yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and um, any questions that people want to get in last minute? Well, yeah, I'll I'll be definitely picking your brains, uh, but maybe we'll we'll I'll save everyone else to <laughs> that. Yeah. Unless you have a cycling question, then of course you could ask it in the comments. Um, so Hannah's just ju um, jumped in here with a comment saying, also when you change niece, uh, niche, what, what you did before was still useful. I felt uh, self-conscious about going to rehab to acute hospital, but this week a rehab consult um, consult asked specifically for me as you knew I was highly experienced and knew my experience and regarded it highly so yeah fantastic great henna and you know that that just shows doesn't it you I take your knowledge that. with you and your experience with you well done yeah yeah fantastic well i think that's a, a great place to wrap up there um before you go just to remind you about the special if you do want to jump on and uh lock in that uh, coupon code then you can go uh, to the link that's in the, the comments or it's also in the description and here on screen um, also while you're on the website we do have um, some free resources like a little guide to um, your first um, kind of set of appointments with a new patient so if you go to the physioaccelerator.com um, forward slash free dash resources you can find them there and a few other little um, goodies and also the podcast is where you can get um, now hours and hours of, of Trish for free which is fantastic. And I think everyone should jump aboard and do that. And if, if you are a fan of the podcast, we'd love it if you, you shared it and um, reviewed it. That would be fantastic. Um, but I think that's uh, that's all. Any parting words, Trish? Or are you, are um, yeah. You know, it's been, been um, for many people, particularly in Australia this last little while, it's been quite hard with COVID and even overseas has been tough. But um, I'm looking forward to brighter days ahead and it's been really wonderful to still have this ability to connect through these interviews, Phil, so thank you. And also through the podcast, when I started them, I felt very unsure about the medium, but, but it's wonderful to be able to, from a 30 years career, be able to 
look at the why I, I do things and, and give some advice. If it helps anyone, then it's really worthwhile for me. So thanks for that. And 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 Trish is a, a feedback junkie, so if you are enjoying it, uh, we'd love to uh, for you to send in a message and 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 let us know because yeah, I think she's put so much work into it and done all of this stuff for free. So it'd be fantastic if you could uh, let her know. And if there are any topics you'd like to dive deeper into, yeah. or um, absolutely, yeah, like that's also um, definitely welcome. So if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the Q and As, uh, send us a message, and um, yeah, we'll do more. But thanks Great. so much. Uh, we'll see you next month and uh, hopefully Thank you, Phil. see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Physio Accelerator podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what we do, head to thephysioaccelerator.com. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for our email list for more great insights from Trish and information about our upcoming courses. Before you go, if you think of a friend or a colleague who would benefit from listening to this podcast, make sure you send it their way. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.